You're listening to Building the Game with Rob and Jason. It's Building the Game with Jason and Rob. For tabletop game design, you really can't go wrong. Building the Game, yeah, Building the Game. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today's Monday, it's May 6th, it's 2019. I'm singing a song because I feel like singing a song tonight. I don't know where the song came from, but it feels good to sing. It's episode 362. Did I say the date? Yeah, it's May 6th. Hi, Jason. Hi, Rob. Rob's here, too. We're both here. Yay. We're always here. We're Every here. time. We're here. Neither one of us feel very good today, so... No, we're, we're both in, in poor physical health yeah, at so, the moment. We yeah. will spare you all details. But, but we'll both be better soon, but... Yeah. But it was one of those... We have to record today, so we're going to record. Because we can't yeah. not record. Yeah. If we don't record today, then we're going to miss a couple shows. Yeah, right? so... Yeah, so... We're here. We're here, and we're both feeling lousy. That's why I wanted to sing, because it's fun to sing. Cheer yourself up. feel happy. I will say, we'll get talking, and I'm like into it, and then I feel better. And then like after the last episode, I stood up and was like, oh, oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> so anyways. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Um, still haven't seen avengers still, still haven't seen avengers still recording no, it no new episodes of game of thrones since we were no right recording beforehand um let's see uh thanks again to neil for uh for joining us last week yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about some important stuff you know and i and i think about that and in in uh that was specifically kind of kind of kind of mental health stuff but um i i think that's an important thing for for folks in our in our our community in the gaming community to kind of talk about because yeah. i think a lot of us suffer from that you know a lot of a lot of right. pe- people who are gamers and i'm not gonna say all all but of course but a lot of us uh find our ways to this hobby because we we already have some sorts of you know social anxiety quirks. or or personality quirks <laughs> yeah. and things right and that's again not everybody but 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 a, probably a larger percentage of of this population suffers from some things like that in in various ways uh, i think it's more common in our community right, than in right. others i it, feel like creative types too just in general, like, in general i don't like yeah. to generalize but a lot of the people i know who suffer this stuff are creative people now i do know a lot of creative people but Sure, they're, they're the ones that tend to take it hard. Yeah, they're m- more prone to to that sort of stuff. I in some ways, um, yeah. But yeah, so it, it's it's good and healthy to have those kinds of conversations, um, and uh, and to know that you know you're not the only person feeling in those ways. Right. Yeah. So. Um, All right. But uh, let's see what else. I'm uh, I'm still playing Stardew Valley. Still, that's been like months, dude. I so I probably put about thirty hours into it the first time I played it, and uh, I I'm on my second. Oh, but it, you know, I only basically played through one year of the game, and, and my wow. understanding is that the game it takes place over the course of like three years. Um, I only played one out of three years in this person's life, um, in my farmer's life, and I'm going back through it now, and I'm I'm at the end of year two this time, and now now I'm I'm at about sixty hours on my second playthrough of this game. Wow. Uh, it's so good, dude. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I uh, I got married in the game. That's good. Um, I I finished repairing the community center, and everybody in town loves me. Oh, that's good. And that's pretty good. Um, I uh, I broke up a fight between uh, Clovis, the the shadow person, and the dwarf whose name I can't remember. Uh, right now, I'm trying. I'm raising a void chicken to make void mayonnaise to make a goblin happy. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, void mayonnaise. Everybody loves that. Yeah. Well, you make void mayo from void eggs. And, right. And I mean, I could have just bought a void egg and made mayo from it, but it's better if I if I buy the void egg and then put it in the incubator and hatch a void chicken, because then the void chicken will produce more void eggs. You got void eggs for days, basically. For days. Every day. Every day, Jason. If I keep that void chicken happy, I'll have a new void egg every That's day. That's awesome. Every day. Can you sell those? Dude, let me tell you about how many things in Stardew Valley you can sell. And 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 the answer to that is you can sell everything in Stardew Valley. Nice. Okay. And if if you get garbage that, that is worth nothing, you put it in a recycler, turns into something, you can sell that. Wow, that is really cool. Yeah. It's So I'm going to guess money's not a huge issue in that game? Uh early game in your first year, in your first year in that game, especially in your first two seasons, money's a little tight, right? But I'm right now I've got I've got $160,000 and nothing to spend it on right now. Wow. I'm saving up what I am what I'm doing right now is I'm saving up for 2 million so I can buy the special magic wand that allows me to just go home all the time from wherever I am so I don't have to walk home every time. That's convenient. It's nice. It's pretty nice. I could be buying other stuff right now. I'm saving that though. That's smart, yeah. I want the magic wand. The magic that sounds I mean really convenient. Mhm. It's a good game everybody. It's out. It's on, on like every platform now. You should, you should, if you haven't played Stardew and you like farming games, right. you should totally play Stardew Valley. So I'm playing a new game now. What are you on playing? On the Switch. On the Switch. Finally, a year later, hey, guess Yoshi's what? Crafted World. Stardew Valley's on Switch now. I know it is, but... Okay. <clears throat> Yoshi's some, Crafted World. Which is amazing. Yeah, it's good. good. Oh my gosh. So like the setup is, like everything is like, Yoshi is like this fuzzy little thing, mm-hmm. but everything else in the game is like made out of like crafts, mm-hmm. like milk cartons and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like it's really crazy. I've seen pictures and the, the screenshots just look adorable. And uh, you play through one way, right? And there's a bunch of things you have to get. Mm-hmm. And once you play through the first way, two things happen. One, you can play the flip side, which is you play the level backwards oh. uh, from the other perspective because mm-hmm. it's a side scroller. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah, when you do that, now you're looking at all these new things. Oh. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, you also have, um, like goals, like this guy will be like, Hey, can you go find me these things in there? And they're just things you have to shoot with an egg because mm-hmm. Yoshi eats stuff, turns it into eggs and then mm-hmm. use the eggs to shoot things. Yeah. So, so does that mean Yoshi is shooting his babies at, wait, is Yoshi a he? Uh, I always assumed Yoshi was a he, but Yoshi lays eggs. So it is possible um, that with Yoshis that um, any gender, that A, they don't have a gender, or B, any gender can lay eggs. That they're asexual. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's it's Nintendo, and it's a Mario-themed thing, so they may just be asexual. Right. But um, do you... Okay, okay, here's a question. Do you have to punch Yoshi in the back of the head to get him to, to shoot things or to eat things? No, because you're Yoshi. Oh, yeah. so you just do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so there's two modes in the game. There is, there's, uh, they don't call it easy mode. They call it relaxed mode. Relaxed and, mode. And like in real mode, right? Uh-huh. And I took Rob Couch's advice and I said, I'm going to play the relaxed mode. Yeah. Well, the relaxed mode, you get wings. Oh. So like <laughs> you can jump and you can always not fall and die if uh-huh. you're paying attention. We still fall and die sometimes because I actually realized that like when you, you hit the wing button, he'll like go a little bit and then go up just a smidge. So like if you jump and then hit it, you can you like get up on a ledge, right? Mm-hmm. But if you fall too low, you're hosed. Ah, but I guess not. Because when you get to the top of the jump, I mean yeah. the top of the flight, you let go and hit it again. And then he that becomes the bottom. Uh, and he goes, so it's a pain, but it's it's pretty fun. Okay. Like okay. the game is just so clever. Yeah. And the kids love it because we're finding stuff. Sure. You know? um, the battles are real, are real 
not hard. Yeah. Um, but they're they're clever. Uh-huh. So yeah, and they're very they're very Super Mario style battles. Like you know mm-hmm. you know like we got this boss. Joe says like how many times do you have to hit the boss? And I'm like three. I guarantee it's three. It's always three. <laughs> it's always three. Yeah. So. Right. He doesn't know that yet though. Right. 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 right but so it's always. He's like three. how do you know? I'm like because it's always three in right. Mario. In any game that's related to Mario, it's probably right. going to be three. That, I mean that's just a video in, video game standard. Right. Either right. hit it three times or it goes through three forms. Right, right, right. Yeah, and if it's more than that or less than that, that game is terrible. Right, or really hard. <laughs> um, yeah, right on. So that's good. Yeah, I I'm a believer in playing on easy. Right, I mean not 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 to be critical of anybody who likes to play on harder difficulties because good for you, but I I like to play games to have fun and not get frustrated. Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the only game where there's like too much of a difference between regular and easy is like a Minecraft where it's like, yeah, you're playing normal or there is no danger. Right. Like, or it's just fly. not fun. Right. Yeah. 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 I think the only game that I've gone back through, played through multiple times on increasing difficulties was the last of us. Cause I, I love last of us so much. It like literally probably is my favorite video game ever. Um, and I, the first time I played it through was on whatever the, the lowest difficulty was. And I was like, that was great. I need to play that again right now. And I think I played through on, I think it might be four difficulty levels. I think I played through mm. on, on on the first three. Cool. Um. Anyway, that that's just because I've enjoyed the experience so much of that game. Right. Right. But anyway. Um. Last of Us Two. I really hope to see more about that in E3 this year. I'm stoked. Cool. Anyway, sorry. All right. Um. Video games. Yeah. Let's talk mm-hmm. about board games. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about board games. Fallen Treasures is oh, out yeah. to backers now. I think uh, I mentioned that at the end of last week's show, but yeah. Uh, I think the game looks fantastic. I um, uh, in, in it, the kind of the card lord's hook is is the uh, is the plastic box. And I noticed that that box is nice. It is nice, right? Like I I, I loved it. I, I liked the idea when when I first started talking with Tucker about it uh, when we signed the game, and I liked the idea of it. But I I didn't really understand how nice it is yeah, until yeah, I got yeah. one in my hands. You explained it to me, and like I, honestly, I pictured like if a company's going to go plastic, there's like the chintzy plastic boxes that aren't very good. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's not going to be. And then, but like, not that I was assuming your game is going to be no, bad. No, no, but like, yeah. That's all I've ever experienced sure, me with the too. boxes. Me too. Or it's like the super high end. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it was the super high end, that dude went broke doing that Kickstarter. <laughs> right. He sold the game like right. amazingly cheap. Um, but no, I got the box. I'm like, oh, this is great. It's like, it's feels nice. like double thickness. Yeah. And the plastic just feels nice. Right. I was really stoked and about it's, it. And it's not too tight, right? Like that was another worry that I was like, because a lot of tuck boxes are too right. tight. You know, right. the cards fit in there, but just barely. And this has enough room that you can get the cards in and out easily, but without it right. rattling all over the place right. too, right? Yeah. And it's not too loose because again, with plastic, you know, it starts to yeah. collapse in and it, it, no, it's, they know what they're doing. I'm impressed. Yeah. So. And the other thing that, that was really cool, and I don't know that Tucker's talked about this a lot, but um, there were production delays. I mean, this Kickstarter, there's often production delays. And in this case, it was tied to the to the box because he was using a different size and different layout than he used uh. before. So they had to they had to make some adjustments and that caused delays. Um, and then everything was printed and the, the manufacturer was like, all right, we're going to put it on a boat and send it over. But that would have been another month, if not longer, to get through, get overseas and get through customs. And so he said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and pay extra to have, have enough uh, shipped over, or, you know, sent air freight uh, so I can get it to, to the backers on time. Nice. And I was like, good for you, dude. That That is that is somebody who cares about his backers and wants and already knows that you know people were patient with it right, right. because and people so for sale afterwards there right for sale afterwards at cons and things that's going to be the stuff coming over on the boat but um yeah for his backers he wanted to make good on that for them and i i that's respect impressive. that a great deal yeah. a lot of publishers would not would do not that, do that so. yeah 
So good for him. That's that's super cool. So anyway, thanks again to, to builders out there who uh, uh, back to the game who supported volunteers. I think you're going to like it a lot. I love the way it looks. Awesome. My kids were excited when they saw the artwork. Yeah, good. Like, we want to play this. I was like, well, I got to figure out how, but then we can play it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to do real well with families. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Anywho, you had a topic to talk about. Yeah. So um, one of the games Neil and I are working on, um, and I mean, this is just something I like in general is talking about timing mechanisms in games. And um, it's something that I'm not super familiar with. So I tweeted and got a couple suggestions and they were ones that I thought about a little bit. Um, But, you know, kind of basically like, when does the game end or when does a certain thing happen? Um, When does the game end is pretty obvious, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's always some sort of timing mechanism to that. But I'm not talking about just like the general, when the deck runs out, the game's over, that sort of thing, right? I mean, that's fine. Um, But I was looking for stuff that was a little, little more cleverer than that a little more yeah. not standard we'll say mm-hmm. um you know things like patchwork i love patchwork for that mm-hmm. um because it's a time track um which i think takaido uses that as well mm-hmm. and with the a time, lot of games too yeah well the time track um you know the game ends when you've taken the cost of the actions like mm-hmm. so the game could go longer or shorter depending on what you choose and i, yeah. I like that mm-hmm. um I like that because the variability on it is small enough that it's not like you're sometimes you're like that went too fast and other times you're like this game won't end it's, you know, it's right in the middle there. Yeah, you have control over that, yeah. So a couple of the suggestions I got were, uh-huh. um, <clears throat> Chris, your moderator, Chris, said, uh, I like an ending that's maybe 75% predictable, but just a little uncertain, such as shuffling a game over card into the bottom 15, 10 or 15 cards of a 60-card deck uh, that's, uh, that gets depleted from the top down throughout the game. I think that is a thousand times better than when the deck runs out. I agree. And I think I've talked about this a few times over the years, but I, I'm a huge fan of that kind of structure that, yeah, I know we're getting close, but uh, maybe, maybe I, 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 but I don't know for sure. Right. right? right, right. Yeah, yep. I, I like that a lot. Oh, oh, wow. I'm tired. Sorry. Um, the game ghost, uh, mad quacker, VC young mm-hmm. tweeted. Um, there are, cards that are split into two decks the first is the draw pile uh the other is the crypt and that every player gets to use um no one can touch their crypt until the draw pile is completely gone first person to empty the crypt wins um yeah yeah, yeah. so that that reminds me of a hand and foot type mechanic that game um that game ends though when you get out of cards after getting into your crypt but you get into it all at once um Mm. and it's your foot not your crypt but um so i think those are two fine mechanisms for doing Mm -hmm. it um So you've got that, the time track. Um, I mean, you could do score when somebody reach, reaches the score. First, the person to reach the score limit right. triggers the end. And that's kind of old school, right? That was yeah. the first thing that came out before, um, like when people were like, player elimination's not great. So like having people get eliminated in Monopoly, not awesome. Yeah. I mean, they, it depends on the game. Yeah, but well, player elimination's okay as long as the game's not... Like, I saw right, right. John Gilmore posted recently, hey, designers, if you have a three-hour game, it shouldn't have player elimination in yeah. the first hour. Right. Like, that's not cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, other, other methods here. Let's see. Well, what, what is it... So of what we've named so far, what, what is your preference? What, which one do you like most? Um, you know, that's what I'm struggling with. I want something more... I want something... That is, I hate to say more clever, but something that is cleverer than, um, than, you know, than the shuffle a card in towards the bottom of the deck. I actually like that. Yeah. Um, what is, how does it work with Pompeii? What's that halfway point in the game? Um, the, the, so it's, uh, the, you have to stack that deck, uh, right? 
and you stack it. Uh, you have to what, you split it into three pieces, I think, and you it you have to shuffle in. There's there's the there's a couple of cards that are like uh, whatever date AD uh, um, that are kind of the warning. So one of those comes up, and and you say, uh oh. The, the volcano's rumbling, and I know we're getting down to it, and it's going to get close. Okay, okay. And that triggers that triggers the first step where instead of placing one guy per turn, you're placing two, I think. Okay. So okay. It, it escalates. And then when the second card comes out, that that's when the, the game switches. Instead of adding guys, you have to get them all out. And that's when the volcano okay. erupts. And then the, um, then the game ends after either everybody's out or everybody's dead. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, and so think about the games that Neil and I have worked on. Compulsed ends when you achieve the win condition, yeah, right? which yeah. is um, the new one we're working on. One of those has a timing mechanism for the end of the game that we've mm-hmm. been trying to solidify, like how many turns. And we ended up going with number of turns. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had another one where during the game, during turns, you take a, when when does the round end sort of timing mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that gets a little trickier, right? Mm-hmm. Because like what... It could be equal. Everyone takes an equal number of turns, right? But that's incredibly predictable. And if you're trying to have it be unpredictable, mm-hmm. um, you have to have a way to to do that. Um, yeah, and so that so that's that's another different perspective on that, right? There's there's timing mechanism in terms of when does the game end, but there's also when does the round end or when does the turn end? Right, yeah. right. Um, that's something that I think that um, um, Waterdeep, Lords of Waterdeep, does really well. Did yeah. you ever play Waterdeep? I haven't played it. It's so good, man. Um, and that's that that the the rounds end because um, it's worker placement, right? And you take turns placing your guys in the mm-hmm. city, and so that round ends when when everybody's placed their final guy. But based on how you do that placement, much like Stone Age, right? Right. Ba- based on how you do that placement, you, one person might run out of meeples before somebody else does, and, okay. th- and that's a big part of that strategy. So I mean, Stone Age is an excellent example of that as yes, well, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, so that's that's something that's kind of kind of common to worker placement. Mm-hmm. games um uh that i think could be utilized well in other other areas um yeah but i mean there's nothing wrong with a turn counter no i i agree i agree um i like that like when criteria is met this thing happens yeah. you know um especially for rounds because for the end yes that's pretty that's a pretty common end game right mm-hmm. is when a person achieves this goal the game was over. Yeah. Um, Josiah and I's game that we're working on, actually now talking about it, I just realized it basically has a time track, just like um, just like uh, Patchwork, except mm-hmm. for you're not doing it as a time track. You're taking actions. Those actions have a cost. And mm-hmm. then you're um, putting things out on the board. And when those things are gone, the game is over. Yeah. Whether or not you've won. Yeah. Because it's a co-op. So, um, yeah, that didn't even occur to me that that's totally a time track because you can make decisions of do I want to do this one action that's going to cost me three time or do I want to do this one that's going to cost me one time mm-hmm. uh, to have that work better. That's interesting. You know, what we talked about a long time ago that I still never played was was Red October, with the uh, the sinking right, submarine right. game. And I, I was always intrigued by that. I need to I need to get my hands on a copy of that game. Give it a try. Um, but they, my understanding was that that has there's just a certain number of action points that you can spend, and when they're done, they're done. The game's over. Okay, is yeah. that is that correct? Because <clears throat> you've played it before, right? I haven't. I have it, but I've oh. never played it. I happen to get it like a. Oh, like that's a, right. Yeah, elephant uh, white, white elephant. Thing, yeah, yeah, somebody was like, "This game looks stupid," and I was like, "I'll take it." Yeah, and then I never played it. But okay. yes, that is. I think the idea is, yeah, the ship is sinking. You have a set right. amount of time. You will spend that time doing the thing, trying to not sink. Yeah. And in a way, though, that's kind of almost when your resources run out, kind of, kind of, right, yeah, right, to reduce that back. But the way it's presented makes it feel a little different. Right? Yeah, right, so. right. 
yeah, the usage of that that basic idea can matter a lot. The way the way you introduce that and the way you you structure that, even if it's just your resources ran out, um, the way the players engage with that can have a, a big impact on how it feels. Right, right. Yeah. One of the games that I worked on for a while that never went anywhere um, that I wished it, and at some point I'll have to give it to Neil and get him to make it work, is <laughs> an outcome the wolves. Mm-hmm. And that had a mechanic where the players determined when the round was over. Basically, yeah. the player, the last player, um, the fourth place player uh, in the fourth position, they... Uh, um, they were going to get hosed at the end of the round the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got to decide when the round was over. And they couldn't do it on the first round. Mm-hmm. And I think it took... Yeah, they couldn't do it on the first round. But when they called it, they would they would say that the round was ending and then that everyone else would get one more action. Um, so they kind of had to judge, do I want three more people in a four-player game to take actions and hope that they don't screw me over too much before it's my right. turn and I have to deal with this? Right. Um, so that is, I actually really like that. Like mm-hmm. the idea that the players decide. Um, yeah, they make the decision. I think there's some co-op games that work that way. I, obviously, Outcome the Wolves was more competitive. Right, right. I mean, it was everybody was against the wolves, but you were all looking out for yourselves. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, to the point where like, if you're in first position, you're like, this turn can go forever because yeah. I deal with what I can and then those wolves are going to go bother the next person and I'm right. fine. Yeah. In, in a sense, so I think there's a, a lot of co-op games where, where the round is just a conversation about how are we going to approach this and, and, and then we decide when the round ends because we are comfortable with the decisions we make about how to execute Right the, right, the actions here, yeah. That would be interesting to see in a. I'm not sure this exists in a co-op game, but where you actually, you have a set amount of time over the course of five rounds, right? Yeah. You know you're going to have five rounds of the game, and but instead of having time for each of those rounds, you have fifty time to spend. Mm-hmm. But it's your job to call. Like you could do 10, 10 actions per round, or you could, you know, save some for the end, or yeah. use them early to try and get ahead of the game. I kind of like that. That could be fun. Yeah, yeah. Right on. So those are my thoughts about that. Mm-hmm. If you've got any other ideas for timing mechanisms, though, I'd love to hear about it. Builders, not you. Yeah, no, I'm don't ask you me. don't because no. you would have said them. I would have brought it up by now if I did. I yeah. would hope so. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Right, right, right. That's right, why right. we're sitting right. here, Jason. I do have a big... I am a big fan of time track in general. Rocky Road Alamo does that well, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, I can take the biggest action I want, but you're going to catch up to me. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to get to take all those actions too. So yep. patchwork is is uh, one of the, that's what I really like about that is that's deciding like, hey, do I want, I really want this big piece, but then my turn's over. But if I take this little piece, then I can take that next big piece and then my turn's over and I got two actions instead of one. And mm-hmm. that makes you feel real clever when sure. you're doing that. So yeah. it's almost reverse worker placement. It's how many workers do I pick up in a way? Right. Yeah. 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 That's 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 a funny way to think about that too. Um, yeah, right on. Well, uh, if we're done with that, then it's time for you to pitch a game. Uh, yeah, and sorry, this might be a little bit of a shorter shorty. episode yeah. because, um, yeah, because well, because Rob and I feel like crap. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pitch All a right. game. No, I'm doing a pitch challenge. Oh, you're doing it? a pitch? Oh, yeah. that's right. Okay. So, do you want me to do a board gameizer? Yeah, why not? That All worked right. well for you last time. So, <laughs> I wouldn't say it worked well. I enjoyed it. Oh, you know what? Because when you go to this website, it just it just gives you one, right? You don't have to right, hit the button. Right. I kind of like this first one that okay. just came up right away. I can hit the one other idea, though, if you want me to. No, if you think the first one's good, right. I trust your opinion right. somewhat. In um, the, uh, the constraint is interesting, too. I'm going to give that to you. To, that's totally optional. That's up okay. to you. All okay. right. All right. So, um, mechanics, mm-hmm. dice building. Oh, I like dice building. I know you do, right? Victory. 
This is good. Yeah. Biggest reputation. Okay. 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 All right. The theme. Fruits. Pixels. Pixel. Pixel fruits. It says yeah. fruits. Pixels. Okay. 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 But whatever version of that you want whatever, to interpret, right? right? right. The constraint. This is interesting. This could be fun. I might hope be it's terrible. No dice. It's <laughs> that would be better. But no, it's can be played on the beach. Oh gosh, it's it's different, right? That's, that's mean. It is. So. so so you can ignore that if you want. Uh, we'll think about it. Plastic cardlords box for one done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dice could be played on the beach. You just might sure. lose them, you know. So this game involves throwing the dice and then finding them. And the dice <laughs> look like fruit. No. <laughs> fruit dice. Uh, okay, so this game, the Fruit Pixels game, you are attempting to um, to build a fruit stand, right? You're trying to get the right fruit um, to build a fruit stand and sell said fruit at the fruit stand, right? This is uh, this is already coming together beautifully. Right. Yeah. Um, so you uh, you could put the fruit stand at the beach. I want to put the game there, but you could put the fruit stand there. Uh, so the way you do it is the dice all represent different fruit, right? So there's there's a bajillion different colored dice, and since I don't have to make this game, hey, they're all custom and they have fruit on them. It's great. Um, so there's like 50 dice in the game. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping for more, honestly. But, okay, well. But that's fine. Hey, right. hey well, we can start here. All right, so you roll. Um, so what happens at the beginning of the game is everyone draws out... 10 dice. Okay. Uh, and then you roll the dice yeah. into a big pool, right? Um, not and, into an actual swimming pool, though. No, no. no. Uh, not also a pool on the beach. No. They do have that sometimes. They but, do. Um, so you roll it into a big pool, and uh. then uh, you take turns drafting. And what the results on those dice are is a picture of, like, say, a pineapple, right? Whether it's one, two, three. Uh, we'll say there's two ones, a two, a three, and then, like, a spoiled one. Mm. Right? Like, it's not good. Ugh, you don't want that fruit. one, right? Yeah. Rotten. Um, so overripe. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. So you roll those, and then you take turns drafting. Now, um, you have, uh, you've got your fruit cart, and your fruit cart. Everybody starts with like a tableau that has it on there, but then there are cards that are laid on it at the beginning of the game mm-hmm. that determine what your spaces would work well for, right? Like, you know, this is a space where you could put some tomatoes, but like a pineapple, a bunch of pineapples wouldn't go in there. And it says, like, how many fruits of a certain size can go in there, I guess. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so in that, basically, it's it's not that. It's how many dice, because that's just simpler, right? So like okay. the pineapple one, you maybe only could put one die there, right? Um, so you, you lay those out, and then your goal is to try and build your um, build your fruit stand, fruit stand. Yeah. With, the, with the best number of dice. Now... Um, at the end of a round, once all the dice are gone, right? Uh-huh. So you've probably filled your fruit stand at that point. I hope so. Um, I mean, if not, what are you doing? Right, right, yeah. yeah. So then, the then uh, everybody gets a chance to give back some, uh-huh. right? Which theoretically you want to give back the rotten ones that you've had to take because you're going to have to take rotten ones at some point, right? Yeah. Um, but it also depends on the rotten ones still count as to fill it, but reduce your sale price I don't know, something like that yeah yeah sorry go ahead so like if a card says you need six you need six dice in this set of, yeah. of one kind of fruit and that's your sixth one the bonus is really good so keeping that rotten fruit might actually be good right um so what yeah. you do at the end of your turn if you decide to keep rotten fruit you pick up all the rotten fruit and you roll it okay uh-huh. and if it's anything but rotten fruit then you take it you put it back on rotten fruit and you put it in your your cart like it was, right? If it's rotten fruit again, it's gone. 
you can't use it anymore. So now you've lost it, right? So there's a risk there. So I would say there's actually nothing bad about having the rotten fruit because people just aren't going to buy that one, but you still make your set, mm-hmm. but you could lose it. So, um, okay. See what, what I, what I want to say is instead of being rotten fruit, maybe it could be overripe. Okay. Overripe. And then, and then you could, you could like, you could use it for other things like, you know, bananas. I want to sell beautiful bananas, but if I, if I'm, I actually have some that are overripe and kind of brown, if I get enough of them, I can make banana bread or a smoothie or a smoothie. Yeah. Trust me, you can use brown bananas in a smoothie. No one knows. Yeah. Um, no, no, I like that. Yeah. Like I'm going to make you with smoothies and smoothies is probably the easiest thing to make. Yeah. Or, you yeah. know, fruit you salad would be kind of obvious. Yeah. You don't want to make, be making br- banana right. bread out in the, uh. But I do like the idea that every turn that those are there, the rotten ones are there, yeah. there's a chance overripe, that they're going to, sorry, overripe, that they're going to become rotten. <laughs> yeah. If you get overripe sure. again, then they've they've become rotten. Yeah, because I think if something does not get purchased from the stand, then it becomes overripe. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So okay. at the end of the round, everybody goes through a phase where they sell some stuff, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. They decide what they want to do. I'm going to make smoothies. I'm going to do whatever. Yeah. And maybe there are some demand cards out there of what people are looking for. Yeah. Some are more generic, but pay less. Yeah. Some are like high demand, like I want a specific thing. Uh, but you can substitute, like if they want a smoothie that's very specific, you can give them any smoothie, mm-hmm. but you won't make as much off it. And then I guess there's like coins or something to track, or you could just track it on your tableau too for how much money you had. Yeah. Can you can can you get bonuses for selling the most of one thing? Sure. Yeah, that sounds great. Let's do that. Yeah, because because I want to sell a lot of if I can corner the market on pineapples, if I can sell more pineapples than ever. Because remember, the victory right. condition is the biggest reputation, right? Right. So that means if I have the best reputation, biggest. Oh, reputation, you're right. I forgot about that. If I have the biggest rep- reputation for selling more pineapple than anybody else, that's got to give me a bonus. Yep. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. 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 And, so and then you know it's it's on, we're on the beach and it's hot out there. So if that means if I'm the guy who makes all the smoothies and sells right, all the smoothies, right. that could be an even bigger. It's more risky. Right. Could be an even bigger bonus. Right. So yeah, I think some sort of track that tra- that's that's um, taking note of your um, what you're what you're doing, what you're selling, right? Yeah. And you're trying to have sold the most of something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. I did too. Done. Okay, what's Published. it called? Fruit. Fruit pixels. Fruit pixels. No. Um, <laughs> fruit. Uh, I don't know. Fruit stand. I was looking for something that rhymed with fruit. A boot fruit. It's Canadian. Canadian fruit stands. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's definitely it. At the all beach. boot fruit. So like for two months of the year, right you're there. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we got to end this episode. Yeah. Before I lose my mind. That's all we've got in us. All right, thanks everybody for listening. Um, normal stuff. Seven seven zero tell BTG for the uh, for the voicemail. Uh, building game podcast at gmail.com website is building game podcast.com at poorly underscore designed on Twitter at J a slingerland at podcast BTG. We'll do it again next week. I promise we'll both be feeling much better then we'll get you back to a, a regularly, regularly structured and less hectic and frustrated episode. So good night. Yep. Good night. Building the Game is a co-production of Imminent Entertainment and Poorly Designed Studios. All ideas presented by Rob and Jason are the property of the Building the Game podcast. We sure hope you'll join us again soon. Until next time... Dial 770-TEL-BTG. Please don't use the email.